Good evening, my beloved audience of the Backyard Professor Live. I am back Saturday evening, just like I promised, with a very special guest, another of the authors of Method Infinite. I'm going to bring on Cheryl Bruno. Cheryl Bruno is, hang on, I got to pull my glasses off so I can read properly. See, they don't give you glasses to see, they give you glasses to blind you. Isn't that crazy? She is an independent scholar in the field of Mormon history and esotericism uh, and with publications in the Journal of Religion and Society, the John Whitmer Historical Journal and uh, Association Journal and the Journal of Mormon History. Her poetry and her memoir appear in several published anthologies. She does have a BS in recreation management from Greensboro College, and she did graduate work in educational psychology at the BYU. She is currently director of resident life at Madonna Gardens Assisted Living and Memory Care, and this is her lovely picture. I'm going to put this on. I didn't tell her I was going to do this, but I am going to do this. So, Cheryl, thank you for coming on the show. How are you doing tonight? It's so great to be here with you, Carrie. I'm doing great. Good, good. It is uh, a pleasure to have you here on the program. I need to say hi to a couple people real quick. Oh, boy, you're popular, Cheryl. There's way more people here in the first 10 seconds than there was all 22 years of the last years of my life. We're building up a head of steam there, Carrie. I'm just saying, man, when you get good people, good people want to watch. So... Doug Vincent, welcome. Angie Jones, good to see you. Ephraim Haas, hello, hello. Lorena Cornella, it's always good to see you. Yeah, we're back at it again. Issa Morris, greetings from North Carolina. Debbie Joe, welcome back. Good to see you again. Okay. Um, yeah, you did a good job today, Doug. That was a lot of fun. Now I'm going to have some more fun, and you're going to have fun watching while I discuss with Cheryl more of this fantastic book, Method Infinite, which I have been raving about for the last week. It took a while to get it here, but sincerely, what I'm enjoying about this whole process at this point is that we have Masons who are reading this book and finding it to be exquisite. We have normal, regular John Q. Public people who are not Masons who are reading this and finding it very educational and a must read. That's how Doug Vincent himself put it on my show this afternoon, which I heartily agree. So, Cheryl, it seems to me like the audience that, that I have been kind of uh, enthusiastically endorsing your book to, and I've been, I've been in it several times on several podcasts this week, just sharing some of the tidbits and the highlights and some of the ideas. And then I do some uh, other fun stuff with Masonic information. Uh, I, the one question I was curious about, this is a large book. I mean, girl, you typed for hundreds <laughs> of pages. How long well, were you yeah, on this? I mean, this book took a long time. It was a long time in the creation. And, you know, we were just pulling out of everywhere. So we had a lot of material to um, draw from and then to end up cutting down, too. It was maybe a 900-page book when we first um, submitted it to Gopher Press. 
And of course we had to, well, you know, we talked about several different ideas. Should we make it a two volume set? Um, you know, but we uh-huh. ended up, um, we ended up uh, consolidating a lot of things, um, making it real concise and then um, leaving a few things for further publication. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. I, I was very pleased to see the size of it. Now I will admit, I basically just told father sleep and brother hunger to get the hell out of my life for last week because I was busy reading this book and I read well, the and something interesting. You might find interesting is the book is 521 pages. And I don't know if you know what other book is 521 pages. Uh, there is no other book, maybe it's except the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon. So look exactly. at this, Cheryl. Not only not only do I solve the Masonic cipher on the cover, but I guess the other. I'm telling you, when you great minds. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, intended to be that way. It was just so interesting that it came out that way. Oh, that's quite fun. Yeah. Now, see, I didn't, I didn't notice that, but uh, sincerely, the. Uh, I I began reading it, and uh, now I just talked to Dan Vogel just about an hour ago, and I wanted oh, him awesome. on the show, and he yeah. he he is more than happy to come on the show once he gets his copy and reads it. So I'm I'm fortunate; I got my copy pretty cotton picking quick. There are some others who are waiting for their copies, so I I kind of got a little boost ahead of of everything so uh yes you know dan vogel is one of the people that i really want to know what he thinks of it um because we've had discussions in the past and i know there are some things that we disagree on and i really yes i would love to hear what his uh, thoughts are on the book i i'm not sure if you're aware of it though uh also and and perhaps he will once he and He's right. When he told me tonight, he said, look, Carrie, he said, I'm serious. I'd love to be on your show. We could do several sessions, but I I really can't say anything without having read it. And I said, oh, yeah, no, no, that's that's all good. It's all good. So, yeah, oh, sure. But but he did say he wants to focus on the Book of Mormon and Masonry because that is the area that he is quite comfortable on. But I was telling him the thing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I figured you guys would have that approach. Uh, you know, I, and as we read, as we wrote about the Book of Mormon and Freemasonry, I had Dan in mind for many of the things that I was writing on that subject, because I know that he has opinions on that. And I know he's written things and he's had podcasts on the Book of Mormon and Masonry. So, um yeah, I'll, I'll be fascinated to see what, what he has to say about that. I, I will, too. I will, too. And <laughs> and perhaps he's going to put, he is doing a new series of Book of Mormon videos. Uh, he, <laughs> did, he did that wonderful series on the Book of Abraham videos. And actually, yeah. that and his book was part of my impetus to say, well, you know, if, if a mere dude like Vogel can do this, then I can. <laughs> now his, yes. I, I'm teasing him online. I'm teasing him publicly. <laughs> uh, his, his scholarship in his book was really delightful for me. And so that was. I have read Dan's things um, on the book of Abraham with fascination. And I especially want to know what he thinks of our, and we'll get into this, I think tonight 
um, our ideas on the Book of Abraham and Freemasonry. I um, hope so. <laughs> yes, and I don't think he's heard our ideas. I don't think hardly anyone. There's, there's, uh, this will be a surprise to many people what uh, we uh, say about the Book of Abraham. And I am so excited about that because uh, sincerely, and I did mention this to uh, to Doug as well. Uh, the he has gone through. He's through chapter three. He just got his a couple of days ago. So I, I honestly uh -huh. did not expect him to be through it. That's not a big deal. But, but uh, I told him. I said, "You are in for some wonderful, really wonderful surprises when you get to the first vision, when you get to the Book of Mormon chapter, and when you get to the Book of Abraham chapter." <laughs> Absolutely. And, and listen, Cheryl, I have been off and on now. I'm, I, I can't say just totally nonstop, but off and on truly for 30 years in some of this time involved heavily as a very serious apologist wanting to know everything I could. And now as more or less a seeker in learning everything I can on this papyri and book of Abraham. And yes, you have. I'll yes. be honest with you, your guys's information on the book of Abraham caused me to sit back and say, Oh, wow, I have another view that I have never before supposed. That's what makes your book so good. That's really meaningful to me, Carrie, because I know you've done a lot of research on the Book of Abraham, and I've listened to you over the years, you know, as you've, as you've wrestled with the Book of Abraham, so that I'm, I'm really pleased that you're saying that. Oh, oh my <laughs> goodness. That was one of... The most, and I will do videos on that, and I'm looking forward to to talking about it tonight a little bit. But I I will do videos on that. What it did, I'm recognizing in myself that I uh, and you know this statement where Joseph Smith at one point in the history he stands up and he's completely exasperated with everybody, and he says, "My gosh, it's like trying to split a." a knot of hickory to get new ideas in the heads of this people. Yeah. You, you mm -hmm. shatter like glass the minute you hear a new idea. Absolutely. I'm yeah. trying so hard not to take that view. And I took that view before I even started your book because I know you and Joe and Nick very well. I'm acquainted with your um, approaches and attitudes to the esoteric versus the exoteric history as opposed to spirituality, uh, symbolism. I've just, I've talked with you fabulous people for decades on this. So I told myself, no, um, I, I can't do this. Some people say they can. I almost don't believe them, but I had to say, go blank. Just read yeah. this book and see what it says. And what a wonderful read. I I could not That's put great, it Carrie. down. That's great, I really hope that I, that's a fabulous way to approach this book. And I hope a lot of people will do that is um, just go in blank, um, not thinking anything. Um, let your, your um, 
pass thoughts about Freemasonry, go and just see what you can learn. From and us. about Mormonism, let it go. Yeah. And about yeah. the Book of Mormon. You guys showed me stuff on the Book of Mormon. I have never thought of the first vision, though. Oh, my gosh, Cheryl, that was <laughs> so overwhelming. I, I Again, I had just never, ever taken it in that context. Somewhat a little embarrassing because here I am a Freemason. I should have been thinking along those lines, right? I did that number on me, <laughs> putting guilt in myself. Much better than the church putting guilt in me, by the way. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'll talk about that in a little while too. After I sh share a little bit about how I got into the project, I'd love to. Yes, why? Why don't you jump into that? We want to know who are you, wonderful woman, and how did you get involved in this project? That is a that would make a great thing to talk about. Okay. Um. Yeah. It's a. a it was a long route. Um. I think Nick told you how he um, started working on the book and all this fabulous research he was able to do during those first years when he was working on um, this project and then how he passed it along to, to Joe. And I actually, um, I don't know if you remember, do you remember when he passed it over to Joe and it was kind of a little sensation online where people kind of were buzzing about it. Yes. Yes, I really do. Yes. Well, I, yes. I just happened to somehow have a conversation with Joe probably within a week after Nick turned his manuscript over to him. And from that point on, there were several times where Joe and I had hour, 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 hour after hour conversations on that topic. We had days yeah. where we talked. So yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. I remember it yeah, was kind he of really a... was um Joe was the perfect person to pass that over to. Yes, um, he was. And, and I did not know Joe. I knew Nick through his writings. Um and I did not know Joe very well at all. But um for some reason I had in my head, well why didn't they give the book to me? And I was a nobody at that point. Um <laughs> Pretty much just looking into Mormon history, um, so just starting to get involved in Mormon history, writing Mormon history, and with a um, interest in esotericism, Mormon esotericism. So it fascinated me, and I wanted to do that book. <laughs> but How I didn't fun! Have the background, I didn't have anything. So um, <laughs> I just kind of put that aside, that thought aside, you know, as a silly thought. But a couple of years later, I moved to Seattle, and Joe asked me, oh. Joe and I um, came to know each other, and he asked me to um, come and help him organize his material. He had a ton of stuff. Had you and, guys uh, talked about it beforehand, before he asked you to help him organize it? Yes. So he bit, knew about bit. he knew about your, you know, understanding about esotericism and how you were somewhat, yes. you know, you wanted to actually try to get involved somewhat. Okay. Well, he, he and I actually first started talking about Mormon tarot. So um, that was our connection as Mormon tarot. That certainly sounds authentic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe was really, uh, he was really talented at doing tarot. And I was, um, I since have completed a Mormon tarot deck, um, so uh, that was the first thing that we were talking about, but then gradually got into because he was just fascinated with Freemasonry, and that's all he ever wanted to talk about. So that's what we talked about, <laughs> and uh, you you know how that is. 
Um, so when I came onto the project and started organizing, um, Nick had been involved in collecting from the time he was um, very um, new at it. So some of the early, early things that he collected, he would Xerox a newspaper article, but not write down <laughs> where it was from. Oh, or, you know, uh -huh. yeah. So, yeah. um, that so makes it tricky. Oh yeah. <laughs> so it is lit. It is Doctor Latursky's fault that it took twenty years. Oh, yeah, he has come a long way. <laughs> but, I mean, this was just the very, very early stuff, you know. Uh -huh. And um, so I would, you know, look those things up, and um, a lot of the things that Nick had collected, I could add to, and so forth. Um, but I'm a writer, so yeah. I was not satisfied with just uh organizing his material and i was after them to write 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 we need to write we need to write this down and um you know how joe was at at uh, discussing his views and yeah. whenever he would start into it i would say well we gotta write this down we gotta write this down you couldn't he had too much didn't he so um yeah i mean really i I only knew Joe. Joe and I ended up marrying in 2015. Okay. And um, I, a lot of times I tell people I didn't, I, I really didn't know everything that was in Joe's head. And they're surprised by that since we were married, but there was so much in his head oh about Freemasonry and Mormonism. And tarot. I feel like I did not get it all. I didn't get it all down. Um, Joe had a stroke in 2018 that um, incapacitated him. Well, actually, he had a series of three strokes. The first one he recovered pretty much from, and I felt a real um, uh, need at that point to just get everything down, you know, pick his brain and just get everything down that he knew because I didn't know how long he'd be able to, you know, talk about it. Yeah. And, <clears throat> right. In August of 2018, he had his third stroke and, and was now unable to really participate in in the book at all. So uh, we're lucky we had those many years that, you know, he talked about it. And I would even, some of the times that he talked to other people at Sunstone, I remember in particular a conversation he had with um, Maxine Hanks. She and he were sitting at the table talking about the five points of fellowship. Good and old I was Maxie. Taking notes. <laughs> taking notes because yeah. um, that was one of the things that he had some great ideas on. So um, yeah, <laughs> I, I met Joe. I met Joe and you at a Sunstone. Yeah, it was six years ago or so when you were yeah. presenting and talking about the book. And that was the time when I uh, first ran into. Uh, when I first met uh, Dan Vogel and actually Lloyd of uh, Greg Coford books. And that was, yeah. that was the time when I bought the uh, Thomas Riscus deconstructing Mormonism book. And I probably shouldn't have read that first. I should have stayed involved with Joe and talking about Freemasonry because man, Riscus really threw a loop at me. So, but yeah, the Sunstone, the Sunstone symposiums were a good way to let the audience know, hey, this is happening. It is going to come out. I know there was quite a few. There were some impatient people at that particular meeting too. 
the one guy on the left, he was really, he was kind of obnoxious in a way, you know, I've been waiting all my life and I want the damn book, you know. Uh, now, people have been really anxious to see this come out from the time that Nick was working on it. Everyone yeah. knew that it was going to be fabulous. Yeah. Nick had so much excellent research into it. And yeah. um, then Joe um, working on the project. Everyone has been very anxious to have it come out. So I'm so glad that has finally become a reality. It's really exciting. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It, it's... Uh... It's it's uh, a breath of electrifying fresh air. Be one because it's so all encompassing. In fact, you guys really surprised me with that. And this is just me, so I, I don't want to prejudice you, my audience. So this is just me. Don't don't take my word for this. But I was surprised at how much information was on the Danites in this book, and yet it is relevant. But for me personally, I didn't find that nearly as aha or intensely fascinating like I did with that first vision, Book of Mormon, and Book of Abraham chapter. Those three um, are the core of the book as far as I'm Danites, concerned. The Danites is actually my favorite chapter. But, but Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. yeah, and I'll tell you why. But um, but let me get into the first vision um, a little bit. Joe um, was an amazing teacher. And um, when I uh, started uh, studying with him about Freemasonry, he wanted to teach me in a certain way. <laughs> this is what he did. I'd go to him with a question, you know, like, uh, what is, um, what's the beehive mean in Freemasonry? Is it the same as what it means in Mormonism? And he said, well, what does it mean in Mormonism? And I'd tell him, I said, and he'd say, well, what do you think? And I'd say, well, I don't know. That's why I asked you. <laughs> so go, go read this book and come back and talk to me about it. So I, I'd read a book, you know, and then I, we'd come back and talk. And so what he had me doing was he had me learning and pulling these things out on my own rather than just telling me the answer, which in Freemasonry, oftentimes there isn't, you know, the answer. There are many things that appeal to different people, many ways of interpreting symbols and so forth. So um, what um, we often came up with is I'd, I'd um, find an answer that wasn't the same answer he had. And then that made it fun because we could go back and forth and argue about it. <laughs> that is why, that is one reason why Joe, he actually told me this. He said, this is such an amazing friendship that he and I had over the phone for all those years is he said, here you are a non-Mason and I am learning as much from you about these okay. subjects we're talking about as you are from me. But he did the same thing with me and the tarot symbolisms. He, he, yeah. We would be talking and he would say, well, don't forget, we, we, I would ex expound in the Mormon mystic group that he started and I was part of, um, we, him and I just went back and forth with the gematria like, like crazy. The audience went ballistic, I've been told by several of the members. Um, his gematria was better than mine, but, but we would get talking about the tarot symbolisms and I would bring in one of the new discoveries I had 
And and I was so gung-ho and excited. And he would jump in there, yeah, yeah, this and that. And, and then he would say, oh, but don't forget that uh, the emperor is sitting facing west. And so I would go back to the tarot cards and I'd look and I'd go, how does he know what direction this is? <laughs> and I he he came up with all kinds of little details. I will never forget the time he told me about the now, and you can interpret this a couple of different ways, and it's all good because there is no one orthodox interpretation of symbolism in anything, right? So exactly. when he told me about the all-seeing eye on the bag on the pole of the fool as he was getting ready to walk off the cliff and have his fall. <laughs> I said, uh -huh. I said, what I, I had looked at that card. I had talked with Joe yeah. about that card for hours. And then I pulled out my tarot card and looked at it. And sure enough, there it was. And I'm going, yeah. how does he, so I finally asked him, I said, listen, Swick, you and I are going to, I'm going to come up there to Washington and I'm going to start slapping you around. If you don't tell me how, you know, all this stuff, you are incredible. I love you, brother, but I need to know how can I figure all this stuff out like you're doing? And he goes, Oh, he said, Oh, why didn't you ask? I go, I am asking. And he said, okay. Uh, Paul Foster case book, the tarot, get that. And that will that that will get you going. He said it's the it best. Sounds like it, it does, does it? Yeah. I mean, that's so Joe. So I got I Paul Foster Case. Thing. Yeah, I got Paul Foster Case, and I was just opened up like crazy. But you want to know something? It answered none of my questions mm -hmm. about none of the symbolism that I wanted to know about. It mm -hmm. gave me so much more that I had never heard. And I suspect Joe knew that was why he sent me to that book. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, um, I didn't mean I, to overtake I, the I, conversation, but I love yeah, Joe I mean, for that I know, reason. I know we're not talking about tarot here, but I mean, it does show something about Joe because he was so amazing with tarot. And um, like when I first started out with tarot, this is how most people do, and they try to memorize the correspondences, you know. Right, right. Memorize yeah. the two cups means this, you know. And uh, Joe had me just take a card and sit with it and told me to get acquainted with it and get to know it. That's know? what he told me. And, yeah, right, right. <laughs> and that was a different way. It's a different way of, um, you know, of doing tarot. And um, you, I think that. Once you um, get real good at it, that's what, you know, you do know those cards. And, and he did the same thing when he was reading my tarot. He'd come up with different things like, oh, this person is facing this way or look at the color of their robe or, you know, why are there roses and lilies on there? And or the number <laughs> symbolisms. I, I was yeah, so I was yeah. so shocked when he showed me the. Uh, I can't remember if it's the empress or the, it's one of the, the, oh no, it's the high priestess. She's sitting there between Jachin and Boaz, the black and white mm -hmm. pillar of King Solomon's temple. And he said, and, and, and this was well in past a couple of years of studying the tarot with him and being on the Mormon mystic. And he said, Hey, uh, do you notice anything funny about that uh, blanket behind her? And, mm -hmm. and I got looking and I go, 
no, it looks like there's some kind of cantaloupes or something on the back of it. And he started to <laughs> laugh like crazy. And he goes, that's all you see, huh? Something to that effect. And, and I go, Joe, what are you asking me to see? So I didn't ask you anything, Carrie. I'm just asking you, what do you, what do you think of that blanket? I think he called it a blanket. He did not call it a veil. He called it something mm -hmm. else, like a blanket or a sheet or something like that. He was uh -huh. he was guiding me with a friendly non-hint. <laughs> I yes, won't say deception, yes. but he he would never come out and just directly answer you. That's what I loved but, about I Joe. He, uh, yes, yeah. I think he really knew that that is the way that you learn. Um, I have never forgot it to this day. It's the Kabbalah tree of life, ten sephiroth, the pattern behind the high priestess on that veil. That's an important symbolism to know, but it's hidden. It's occulted. And Joe taught me all that kind of stuff. I just, I love the man. So, okay. Anyway, that's a fun little trip down memory lane. As we um, discuss these things, I found that one question um, was coming up over and over in my mind, and this was, what was Joseph Smith doing with Freemasonry? What was he doing? And um, I think other authors that write about Mormonism and Freemasonry don't, they skip over this question. And this is one thing that our book contributes, I think that none of the other books do, is we try to get at what Joseph Smith was doing with Freemasonry. And a lot of times people want to jump right to the Nauvoo Temple and the correspondences between Freemasonry and the Nauvoo Temple, you know? And there are just a few, you know, these symbols that um, we have in the Nauvoo Temple. Yeah. And they're very clear that they come from Freemasonry. And people just want to go right to that. And they do not start at the very beginning to see what was happening, um, what Joseph Smith was doing with Freemasonry. So, um, and Nick, hmm. I think we'll talk about what um, what Joseph Smith Sr. was doing with Freemasonry. Um, yeah. It started even that early. Yeah. Um, but for me, my first kind of um, real strong insight in, in this book was this idea that... Um, the first vision was Masonic. Yeah. And I was really, I was really excited about this insight because um, you have um, several people of the day had these theophanies, right? Um, yes. Religious mm -hmm. figures had these theophanies. But in Joseph Smith's case, it was so intertwined with Freemasonry. And of course, this story was not told right away in 1820. Um it was later that the story comes out, but right. then you have not only Joseph who put it in kind of a ritual form, but then um, when others would tell the story, they also brought Freemasonry in and they brought ritual in. So that was fascinating to me because it seems like um, the Mormons of the day understood that to be Masonic. And deliberately... Or, or, or deliberately indicated that that was their understanding, so they incorporated that directly into that story. I'll tell you what, on my mission, on my mission, I had no idea the first vision had anything, any basis in Freemasonry at all. But yeah, this mm -hmm. chapter was 
truly coming from the dark to the light in many, many ways for Joseph, for me. For right. so Joseph into this literal, oh, wow. the first vision into like a literal manifestation of Masonic initiation. Yeah. You know? yeah. And so, um, and he did this in a lot of things. He'd take an idea in Masonry and he'd put it into a literal, very literal, um, put it in a very literal way in Mormonism. And so that is one um, key where you can see what he's doing and all these things, what he's doing in the Relief Society, what he's doing with the Danites, what he's doing with the Council of 50. You know, you have to understand this. These organizations, these organizations were not arbitrary. Right. And, and neither were their numbers. The Council mm -hmm. of the 12 with the First Presidency of Three, the Council of the 50. None okay. of that is arbitrary. Your book really brings that out wonderfully. I loved that about it. Yeah. Yeah, the, the numbers were really important. I think it's, it was nine, um, nine uh, members of the first. Uh, um, um, what do I want to say here? When he was doing the um, Quorum of the Anointed. He yes, yes, yes. Nine members. The second anointing. Yeah, there had to be nine yes. members, just like in the Royal Arch. In Royal Arch. Yeah, he was tying in so, with that number symbolism. Yep. Yes, there were many things like that. That, um, and interestingly enough, um, a lot of people, you'll know, come out with some of these little factoids, and they poo-poo them, um, because it doesn't mean much if you just have one or two of them. But when you, as in this book, when you see everything come together and when you see all these things together, then you finally realize, yes, this was meaningful and this meant something. It wasn't just a little coincidence here and there. Yeah. Yeah. And you did very well. Uh, it, it's like Nick told me that, uh, or was it you that told me, I'm, I'm starting to talk to so many of you that it's absolutely breathtakingly <laughs> awesome. No, it was uh, maybe it was uh, Clinton that we're going to talk about. Oh yeah, Mormonism's Masonic Midrash, Chapter Six. Yes. Wow. I love that chapter two. Pure gold. <laughs> the nice thing you guys did that I, I I actually appreciated this because you put you, you had a a singular theme of the first vision in From Dark to Light. Then you had the singular theme of the Book of Mormon in the chapter of the Book of the Law, Long Lost, Now Found. Then you seemed like you broke away from just a singular tight-focused theme, and you just went from beginning of his theological expoundings mm -hmm. all yeah. the way through to his death and doctrine after doctrine after doctrine and theological insights and ideas, the revelations in the Doctrine and Covenants, you show the basis of masonry in a broad, multifaceted context. And by the time I was done with this chapter, I, I sat back and I said, I really would like to finish this entire book before <laughs> I review it this weekend. I think it was like uh, Thursday, <laughs> Thursday that I had gotten to that chapter. 
it was so powerful that I took Friday night and I said, I will finish the book if I have to stay up all night long, but I have to reread that chapter. And then the thing you did right after that, if I remember right. Oh, nope, you didn't. I remembered wrong. Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah. Then you went to the singular theme again of the book of Abraham. <laughs> and, and that one was just, wow i gotta yeah, study that so, like you see him just start to expand you know and it, it um it mm -hmm. just expands throughout the whole religion you know yes um and to go back to kind of um how the book came about too um we had uh, several different editors on this book that worked on it with us um one was lloyd erickson of course from um from Coford, uh -huh. and I remember when he first read the um, <clears throat> chapter on the first vision, he wasn't that impressed <laughs> by it. Really? But then when he, when he, because I think it just seemed to him to be maybe a lot of coincidence, and then Could when be. he got a little further into it, when he started reading about the Masonic Midrash, he got it, and then he went back, and I think it meant a lot more to him. Mm -hmm. Um and um, I had, when, when the book was about 900 pages long, <laughs> wow. I brought in um, Holly Welker as also an editor to just help me get it cut, you know, because I was having a hard time wanting to get rid of anything that was there. <laughs> sure. I mean, <laughs> I you've been wanna... on it all this time. Yeah. 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 And I didn't want to cut anything. It was also, you know, interesting to me. So I had Holly come in and she has a unique view. And um, she's not, uh, she is a um, editor of um, uh, memoir. Uh, so that's kind of her, uh, her uh, strength. Mm -hmm. But um, she was able to look at it from different perspective. And she was fascinated by the Midrash. And she um, yeah. had me point up the Midrash and, in fact, like foreshadow it in different places and, you know, um, to uh, make that very strong, um, a, a very strong part of the book because she saw it as, you know, uh, a way that she'd never seen Joseph Smith before. Yeah. And um, in a way, you know, that is the core simply because it stretches all the way across Joseph.